Here we are, back again. Yet again. Shady's After back. After a, a, a short hiatus. Yeah. An intentional hiatus. Listen, y'all. Um, you know, we've been busy. What else is new? We're always busy. Sometimes we can pod, sometimes we can't. Um, we're working on some stuff behind the scenes, though, that mm-hmm. I think are going to make the show a lot more consistent coming up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think some stuff is happening that's going to make going to make everybody everybody's life easier and it's going to make the podcast infinitely more listenable and yes. uh yeah it's just it's going to be it's going to be great It'll be better for everybody yeah you know be a good time so uh welcome to dipped in tone everyone another episode uh we got an interesting topic to talk about today yeah but before we jump into that zach what's up what's mm. new so i th- i'm sure i've mentioned uh on on this the this the scourge that is buying Bucky Brigade chips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I had <laughs> I had almost given up hope for the Oracle and in anything using a Bucky Brigade device, a BBD, uh, that that I would be able able to like make any pedals with that. Mm-hmm. And so I looked <laughs> at I looked at the. You need the to chips. tell them boys quiet down. <laughs> Devin, uh, I looked at the. Uh, there's there's another company making chips, and they were ten times more expensive uh, than what I was currently making, and they were available. The old chips, I'd send emails, and no one would respond. And finally, uh, I saw that the chips that that we use in the Oracle uh, were showing up at one distributor, and I sent my Connect at Cool Audio an email and said, "Hey, I'll I'll take all I'll take uh, I'll take all you have or five, like whatever you can spare." can I buy some? And they gave me a very reasonable sum of chips. And in, in doing that, I also, this is breaking news. All, all of our, we should have the, the listeners need a name, uh, besides just patrons hmm. or, or, or listeners. We need to call, we need to have a, in the chat, come up with a name for the listeners of the dipped in tone podcast. Yeah. But, um, I bought the chips to make, Bump, bump. We need a we need a, a stinger for dipped in tone exclusive. This yeah. is a dipped in tone exclusive right here. So <laughs> the boss CE two, just a, an analog chorus. So I mean of any any ilk. Okay, right? so it's not a clone of a CE two. It's it's your own. Well, it might be. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I'm just I don't want to get anybody in trouble. I'm just saying. No, no. But I uh, I man, this is this is my favorite chorus ever. It's yeah, uh, arguably but, one of the best choruses ever made. So now I'm gonna. We're starting work on that. So that's super exciting. Uh, And we we have we finally caught up. All Susan Mario subs caught up. Everything's kind of caught up, and we're just like (laughs) McKinley, Jeff, and myself are looking around like, what do we do now? (laughs) So look at the chat. Look at the chat. Oh yes, the dip. (laughs) Dip. (laughs) I I mean that's pretty good. (laughs) That's pretty good. We'd have to we'd have to have Addison bleep it every time we referred to the the patrons, but. I'm not the against ship, it. The ship dips. The yeah. Ship okay. Dips. Everyone in the chat. By the way, we should we should plug. Uh, if you want to listen in and watch live while we're actually taping, you can join our Patreon link down below. Uh, talk amongst yourselves and figure out it, what you guys want to be called. I feel like we should give this one to the people. You know, whatever <laughs> they decide is, which might end up being dangerous. We might have a Bodie McBoatface situation on oh, our hands here. Yeah. Um, well, that's good, man. So you've, yeah. so the Oracle's going back into production, correct? 
and the uh, you got the new analog chorus you're working on coming out sometime in the near future. Yeah, the Oracle never went out, but I just wasn't pushing it that hard because I had such a limited supply. Because every every Oracle needs two delay chips, and then this thing called a Compander, which like combines all the sounds. And I had like I have plenty of Companders. Uh, I found those, and and like those aren't like people aren't as desperate for that. Yeah, because there's workarounds. But um, the 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 delay chips you just can't find them. Compander uh, sounds made up, by the way. If, uh, you could be you could be like f-ing with me and I don't know because I don't know anything about circuit design so you could just be totally <laughs> trolling me right now I'd be like oh yeah compander sure yeah no 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 it's a totally it's a required part sure but but oh, the okay. Oracle uh, now now we're gonna be able to make them for at least another year or so nice and hopefully by that time it will all have worked out but but I'm also working on um, thanks to you and and other people <clears throat> in the YouTube community my first video course which we're going to start filming this weekend yeah okay give give the people a little uh hint what are you going to be doing i'm going to teach everybody to do the things they want to do on their guitar the the basic things they want to do on their guitars so like for for the cost of buying our video course you're going to be able to learn how to do all the basic things you would otherwise have to pay a tech to do for the, the same amount of money or less uh so changing pickups upgrading your wiring uh, doing bridge modifications, basic setups, uh, tweaks and stuff. Kind of what you did in the in, in your most recent video with Righteous, mm-hmm. only I'm not going to show you how to run a Plex machine yeah. or roll fingerboards or stuff like that. The but, first part of your course would be like, all right, step one, you need to source, finance, purchase, take delivery of, install, set up <laughs> your Plex machine, uh, preferably yeah. in your basement. You're going to need Easy. 240 power, by the way, if you don't, uh, don't have a 240 circuit run. Uh, and when you've got that done, you can go ahead and move on to part two. Right. Yeah, yeah. But basically, that's going to be it. So it's going to be uh, courses on how to modify the most popular models of guitar, in, in in our opinion, and a tool guide, which shows you how to use, like, what tools you need and how to use all of them and how to solder properly. So, which I think is almost just as valuable as, as all the other stuff. I actually so. could probably use a soldering lesson. Yeah. You know, that's great, man. Uh, yeah. And then do you want to talk about the thing we were just talking about on Marco Polo, the, the breadboard oh, yeah. situation? So the Shoyles Fuzz, we had hit a, 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 a more than a speed bump. We, we'd fallen into a pit in, 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 as far as like the circuit design. But now uh, I've landed on a fuzz circuit. That is, I've never seen anyone use this, this style circuit. There are circuits like it, but this is, uh, it's kind of an original fuzz circuit. That sounds very old school, uh, but it goes from fuzz to distortion and cleans up. It it sounds awesome, and I think it's going to be one of the most unique. It's not a super. It's not a wholly unique uh, f- like sound, but it's going to be one of the most unique designs that is still akin to like classic fuzz tones. And nice. I, I, we're enamored by it in the shop. We we finished mocking up another breadboard version today, and I was just like, "Wow, why does this sound so good? There's not many parts in here. It sounds great." Yeah. So it's very exciting. What I heard over the phone via Marco Polo, uh, which is known for its quality, you know, <laughs> its quality of audio and video, um, sounded awesome. Sounded biblical. I love it. it it's great. <sighs> what's what's been going on with you? I, I feel like I talked more than I ever talk on this stand. <laughs> um, 
Well, I mean, we got a lot to unpack. It's been a while since we've we've potted. Finished up our last few runs of shows with uh, Noah in Good Trouble. Was in Florida this past weekend, um, which was fine. Be honest with you, don't love Florida. If you're from yeah. Florida, I apologize. You know, there's just this is not my vibe. It's it's too hot. It's too weird. Um, but yeah, we got that done. We have uh, one more show I think coming up the uh, till the end of the year and. Actually, Noah is putting on his first festival ever. Um, mm. October 15th, Spartanburg, South Carolina. It's the Great Blue Wall Festival. And Noah and the band, Noah in Good Trouble, we are putting it on. We're headlining. And it's a charity benefit. And it benefits a charity called Pack Jam, P-A-C-J-A-M, which um, puts instruments in the hands of underserved and uh, underprivileged musicians in that region of the country so upstate south carolina north carolina and it's primarily a lot of like folk and bluegrass instruments and things like that so really good um really good charity so if you are around the upstate south carolina it's in spartanburg or north carolina or eastern tennessee or north georgia area come on out um it's a place called freight yard fr and the number eight is the place we're gonna be putting it on it's gonna be a vibe so um that's been going on trying to buy a truck right now which yeah. is okay. You know what really grinds my gears, Zach? <gasps> what? How these car dealerships are charging the most insane markups ever. They're calling it market adjustment prices. Okay. <laughs> and I'm surprised we haven't started seeing this in the guitar gear world, but essentially because of 2020 and the craziness of the pandemic and the chip shortage and all this other stuff, Dealers are taking deliveries of, of automobiles and then just slapping on 5, 10, 15. One truck I drove today, a uh, test drove, had a $25,000 dealer markup. So your sticker price, tack on $25,000 for nothing, uh, just for the privilege of paying them an extra twenty five grand for a truck. Right. Which is, for the immediacy of having it. Yeah. So the and the the salesman I talked to, uh, he's like, "Well, what are you looking to spend?" I was like, "Sticker," which in in a normal world, paying sticker price for a car is already kind of a bad deal, you know, not right. haggling and not getting any incentives or anything. I was like, "Sticker," he's like, "Well, that's just not possible." I was like, "Well, it is. It's definitely possible. You just won't do it." He's like, "Well, how much over sticker are you willing to go?" I was like, "None. Like, I don't need the truck that bad." dollar yeah it was like it's just one dollar bob i see back and forth kind of thing and the problem is that right now there are people that are actually going into these dealerships and buying these trucks at these crazy markups because they feel like they got to have it so yeah yeah oh and then the other thing i saw at a different dealership and we'll get off car talk in a second here but I, this is <laughs> i just need to get this off my chest because it's so insane okay test show of this gmc right I'm looking at all American trucks and they, the guy told me, Oh, we're a non, we don't uh, market adjust. We're a non markup dealer. I was like, okay, cool. That's nice. There are some of those dealers out there. They don't mark up. That's cool. You're much more likely to earn my business that way. And then I test drive the truck and we start talking about numbers and he quotes me a number that's 10,000 over sticker. I was like, well, what's that about? I was like, well, it has our protection package on it. You know what their oh, protection yeah. package was? Rain X on the windshield. Hey. And 
uh, the they've modified the upper rear taillight so it blinks when you turn on when you hit the brakes. Okay, that was three thousand dollars. Then they added a wheel and tire package. Okay, that was stock GMC wheels and off-road tires that I've had before. I know how much these tires cost. Thir- uh, sorry, the markup was thirteen. It was like seven or eight thousand dollars for this wheel and tire package, which was like, oh, so you you are marking it up. You're just trying to bullshit and tell me that you know you're giving me something for this money. It's just yeah. <sighs> yep. So, so there you just, go. Uh, do what I do. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Well, thing is, I want to get something this year, and the reason I'm looking at a truck is because if it's over six thousand pounds, it's and you buy it through your business, it's a tax write-off, mm. uh, pretty hefty tax write-off too. So, <sighs> yeah, you, you'd ask someone in the chat mentioned about EVs being priced high. Mine was like normal. My my Volkswagen was normal price, which was good, but it there was like no room to do anything, and they definitely yeah. suckered me into a couple. Uh, you know, like here's the paint protection package and, and yeah, seat protection. Like, it's like what? No. Why oh, we're we're adding a door protection package on for twelve hundred and fifty dollars, and it's like that just rubber material that you get at Home Depot and stick oh, on yeah. the end of the door. You know. Well, you know what's really annoying, and this can be the last thing. I I have I've gotten a lot of chips in the front of that car, um, just you know because it's white, so right. it's like you just see all the chips. And I emailed it's like, hey, I have this paint protection. Let's get this fixed, and they never email me back. So I'm I'm gonna take it for like service next week. So I should go and be like, hey, you know that thing I paid for? Here it is in my receipt. Yeah, we're gonna get this fixed. Yeah, come on. So let's work it up, boys. But anyway, anyways, this is not a car podcast. <clears throat> it's a guitar podcast. Uh, should we should we dip a rig? We have a rig. Uh, we have a rig to dip. Here it is. Take me there. Wiggity wham wham wazzle. There you go. Ooh, this one's really cool, and uh, I picked it for a couple reasons. So this is from Julian. Uh, he's Excellent from picture. My God. Great picture. I like how he breaks down the fact that there's the guitars and the amp and then a clear shot of the pedal board. This is just like so helpful. So helpful. Is, Julian, thank you. Did you arrange this picture or did Julian arrange no, this picture? No, he, he I had to make it into a PDF. But apart wow. from that, he just sent it to me that way. Okay. Uh, but what we got here, so he's from Switzerland and he has uh, a Tokai ES-180, which is a Japanese 335. Uh, fantastic guitars. Yep. That he's hot rotted with some some really great uh, parts. The blue Stratocaster is a parts caster, which is awesome. I love that color. Yeah. Because it kind of looks, it kind of looks like cerulean blue, which is a, a very interesting Fender color that I love. And then the other guitar on the left is a, it, now this is French, uh, Geralt or Ger- nailed it. Ger- is that it? I don't know. <laughs> it's probably uh, not, but <laughs> California model and his stuff. He makes, I think I sent it to you. He makes this um, single pickup or dual pickup looking uh, guitar. I think it's called the Voyager and it looks kind of like an Explorer and it's uh, Karina. Uh, uh, Nick Greer has one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wicked, wicked, wicked looking guitar. Uh, I would love to have one, but I, man, I just, I, I've bought so many guitars lately. Yeah, you need um, to pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. Uh, his amp is a car Telstar, 17-watt hand-wired thing. Uh, and then the pedals, he's got some great stuff. Some so This is a, a very, like, do-it-all pedal board, in my opinion. Lateral Phonics Deadman Fuzz, hybrid silicon germanium fuzz. 
that's inspired by the Big Muff. That's interesting. Cool. Hybrid germanium silicon, but Big Muff. Hmm. Uh, an Argonaut, Mythos Argonaut. Uh, the Source Audio Spectrum, the, which is like a filter thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cali 76, mm-hmm. a Nobles ODR Mini, the Tremolo, uh, MXR Tremolo, and the MXR Carbon Copy, which is like, I think, you know, looking at this setup, like what could you not do with this? He's got every, except for a Telecaster, he's got most common pickups, like a variety of sounds. I mean, there's, there's just, it's all kind of covered here, which right. is wicked. Okay. Guitars. The Tokai is super cool. Yeah. Like that's rad. Um, you know, I've never played a Tokai that I can recall. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing Japanese guitars, I can guess that it's incredibly well-made, probably plays great, probably sounds amazing. It looks great on picture. I mean, what more can you ask? Yeah. I, um, some, some Tokai are, are nitro depending on the age and they have like different tiers. I'm not sure about that model. Uh, but even, you know, if it's poly, it's like, it's going to be a great guitar. They're, yeah. they're very nice guitars. Yeah. Parts caster strat looks great. I wouldn't have been able to tell it's a parts caster from the, the picture. Yeah. Um, I like that blue as well. It's kind of like my mom would call that like Tiffany blue, but <laughs> right. it's, okay. yeah, that sort of light sky, but it's a little darker than a, than a, not Sonic blue. What's the like light baby blue color that Fender does? Well, there's does. Daphne blue. Maybe it's uh, Daphne that I'm thinking but of. But to me, I want to put this in the chat. Uh, Cerulean blue is like a really cool Fender color that you don't see all that often uh and of course like every everything on <laughs> google turns out to be just a youtube link that i can't share yeah great. um but yeah let's see uh copy image it's definitely not lake placid no it's uh, not lake placid yeah that that color it's kind of like that but that this is darker than that that might just be the lighting uh yeah great looking strat so the the french guitar is you said geralt it, it's G-I-R-A-U-L-T. So our French-speaking listeners can Gar- spell it phonetically in the, <laughs> in the comment. <laughs> yeah, for us dumb Americans. Killer, killer-looking guitar. I yeah. like the shape. It kind of has the non-reverse Firebird thing, which I don't like, but this is a better shape than the Firebird, I think. Uh, agree to disagree. <laughs> no, I, I, I do. it's a beautiful shape. Yeah, no, I know, but... Um, I like the tele controls, the P90s, the reverse headstock, the reverse tele style headstock. I mean, that's a cool guitar. Yeah, I like the chop tele bridge and yeah. It's I mean, it's I don't know like all the stuff I've seen of of this guy's um this, this guy's guitars, they they just look great and uh, they're not like crazy money, which is awesome. Yep. You know, but uh, but yeah, what a fantastic looking instrument. And then the board. So um, what's the fuzz again? I've not seen that fuzz before. He says it's a lateral phonics dead man fuzz. Uh, so it's inspired by the triangle uh, Big Muff made by a company in Moscow. Wow. Uh, it's a hybrid. But I, that, that's a weird thing like to say that a Big Muff, I'm going to pull up their website, is hybrid. Because it may, it may be hybrid in having like germanium and silicon diodes. Right. But like making a, a, a Big Muff with like a germanium transistor seems kind of uh i don't know silly like counterintuitive i don't know like why you would want to do it 
Also, oh, wait. It, it does have transistors. They're, they're in there. Okay. Wow. I just found okay. a picture of the gut shot on their website. Wow. Interesting. There you go. Also, can we take a second to... Uh, to pay some some respect to the hardwood floor there. Look at that. Yeah, that's a nice floor. That's a nice floor. It's a nice door back there, too. It looks like a nice house. Plant? Like yeah, a nice plant. What is that marble thing behind the Tokai? Or is that a poster? It's like a painting or a poster or something. Who knows? It's probably wow. like a, this is a solid wall of marble. <laughs> yeah, they're in high cotton over there for sure. Um, <laughs> Argonaut, great. So if I may mm. speak about the Argonaut for a second, I really love that thing Yeah. because I love Octave fuzz and octave effect it's one of my favorite effects probably my favorite type of fuzz but with the argonaut you can essentially add that to any gain pedal any dry pedal or use it by itself which is something you can't do with most octave fuzzes and that's really fun to be able to octave up any of your overdrives is super cool yeah and depending on where you place it it's like it can be more or less apparent. So I like it how he's got it after fuzz, but before it drives. Yeah. And it, it's just, I don't know, like I've thought a lot about putting it in a bigger box and then it, I think it just needs to stay small. Yeah. It doesn't like, need to be in a bigger box. It's, it's a nice little sort of utility thing. And if you've got a loop switcher or something, you could stuff that up under, you know, it doesn't need to be accessible. There's no controls on it. Yeah. And that's why like, I think that's why a lot of people like it is because it literally will go under like a bridge or whatever, you know, under a uh, the Schmidt array under the thing and you just have it on your, your yep. gig rig or whatever you're using. Yep, 100%. Uh, the Spectrum Source Audio, haven't played that before. Spectrum, uh, or Source Audio stuff is all fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I'm like... I, I don't recall playing it, but I'm sure it's it's sure it's great. Everything else I've played by them is really nice. Yeah, I really like uh, the Nemesis and the Ventress. Um, the, the collider is really great. And then my, one of my favorite pedals this year has been the Zio, their boost, their analog boost. God, it's so good. Um, Cali 76, fantastic. Um, if you're looking for a really good compressor, really usable compressor, really versatile compressor, it's hard to beat that. Um, you know, if you got to have a compressor in your board, that's a great one to have. And then, uh, the mini nobles, Mm -hmm. great overdrive choice. Yeah, if you like the Nobles thing, it's it's an acquired taste, I think. Is that one modded for the low end to, to pull some of the low end out of it? I, I think they might have a little switch or something. Because uh, the originals have a ton of bottom end. Oh, yeah, they're way, they're way too much, in my opinion. I think the mini one has some features. Let me pull it up. On Sweetwater. Not a sponsor, uh, but could not be. A sponsor. Yeah. Hit oh, us up. Are you listening? You flew us out to, to yeah. Somebody's listening over there. Wherever it was, uh, Indiana. Indiana. That's the that's the place. Pawnee, Indiana. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't know. I for some reason thought it had like a toggle switch or something. Uh, to make it less bassy. I know the new big ones do. Yeah, that's uh, the thing about the original ODRs is they have a lot of bass, which is. I don't necessarily mind. I know you're not a huge fan of that, but with the right amp and the right combination of guitar and stuff, um, you know, I, I dig it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a good sound. I, I feel like for most people, if you're playing at home and you're not playing super loud, like, like, I th- or if you're playing like a Fender style guitar, um, I, I think it works really well, but for me, like playing mostly humbuckers and P90s and stuff on a neck pickup, it just turns to mud because mm-hmm. I, I play pretty bass heavy stuff anyway. So. Yeah. And then the two MXRs, carbon copy, iconic delay, still can't go wrong with a good carbon copy. 
Um, and then what's that other one? The tremolo. The tremolo. The, yeah, still a great tremolo. Yeah. It's awesome. So and then the car. So the car. Yeah. I've played a bunch of car amps. Yeah. I think they're rad. They're great. They're so, so this good. Is the, the Telstar. Uh, it pairs six L6 and the L84s. So you can, I guess, go between them maybe. And it has a, an attenuator for zero to 17 watts. Yeah. So pretty sick. If you're into that low wattage thing, specifically the sort of low wattage kind of American thing, car, I think, should be at the top of your list. Or if you're looking for a really great boutique amp that is friendly for home use, um, car is a really, really great, uh, really uh, great amp. Now, does this one have reverb on board i don't know because this is the only thing i'm thinking about changing with this rig mm-hmm. so here we go guitars you got all the bases covered the only thing maybe i would want to see here would be some kind of telly but the reality is the strat while it's not a telly it can kind of cover some of that telly bridge sort of sound um so love the guitars Pedalboard, yeah. great. Love the layout. Love that it's small. Um, might be a little tight with the layout, but that's a, a nitpick. Love the amp setup. Um, the only thing I'm missing here for me is some kind of reverb. Yeah, you're you're a reverb main. I'm a I'm a reverb main for sure. Yeah, it does not have a reverb, um, and I'm the polar opposite. I could play, I could plug into a, a Tweed Twin and play all day and not need any spatial the sun is coming through and hitting one of the pictures on my wall and just absolutely blasting me look at this just holy dude i can't (laughs) see shit right now okay (laughs) all right so i like this i do i do want a reverb on here though i I, okay i gotta have one i'm a reverb boy i need reverb you know here's what i would do i'd swap the mxr tremolo out for a flint and I'd go with a slightly bigger board. Um, yeah. Not much bigger, but just give you a little bit more space. Because having the two MXRs kind of stacked on their sides like that probably makes it a, a kind of a pain to get around and hit that carbon copy foot switch. So I'd go with a slightly bigger board. I'd swap the tremolo out for a flint. And uh, bingo bongo, this one is 8.9 soils for me. There you go. Yeah, I was thinking solid nine. Yeah. I, I like it. I... I would probably, I mean, I'd ditch the compressor. I'd probably ditch the filter and then just put everything on that board and it'd be perfect for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I want to play one of those guitars real bad. So. You know, the compressor, I thought about ditching, but it is a really useful, it's a useful tool. My, my gripe with yeah. compressors is, um, personally, I don't love when people use them as always on things. Yeah. Um, I think they're good tools. And they're good utility pedals, and they can be a really cool effect, especially the Cali 76. If you want that super squashed kind of thing, they're cool. But I, I advocate people not leaving their compressors on all the time. Yeah, same. Especially like if you have an amp that's that low wattage, mm-hmm. just let the amp do all the compression mm-hmm. unless you're using it as like an effect. Which yeah, because I feel like with, with the Cali 76, I don't think that that's its strength. I think its strength is is I mean, it's an incredible. Uh, compressor but like if you're wanting to do like a chicken picking or like a funk thing i w- that would not be the one i would go for for that effect yeah necessarily the the way i would use the cali 76 on this board would be for slide to give me a little bit more right. sustain for slide help l- lengthen the notes with a clean sound because mm-hmm. you know 
when you are overdriving or you're using a fuzz or you are overdriving the amplifier, you are also compressing your signal. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a compressor stacked on top of that, it's not a bad thing. You can get more sustain and more compression. But um, listen, here's what you do, kids. Turn that amp up. Like, get it just absolutely dimed. Keep that compressor turned off and just ride your volume knob. Set the nobles up as a colorful boost, right? You can set that fuzz up to absolutely hit the front end of the amp and make it sound like it's just begging for its dear life, like it's going to explode, which is a super cool sound. And then just ride that volume knob on your on your guitars. Yep. When, when I come to the shop... Uh, okay, I'm going to show this. When I come to the shop in the mornings, if no one's here, uh, I'll crank... I'll, <laughs> I've been doing this every other day or so i'll crank just one amp to 10 and then plug in and play uh get some volume therapy to yeah. start the day and it's really nice i did that today with my les paul and the super reverb the 66 that's out nice. in the main showroom i had some volume volume therapy therapy this afternoon it's practicing a uh, playing of war pigs mm. we've kicked around the idea of covering war pigs in good trouble i think it would be a slam and cover um, yeah would you condense it because it's kind of a long song. Hell no, man. You can't condense okay. War Pigs. The <laughs> thing about War Pigs is there's like... <sighs> name another song that has so many iconic riffs in one song. Yeah. There's like uh, four or five different riffs in different sections of that song that are all recognizable and all immediately identifiable as War Pigs all in one song. Yeah. No, it's... It's an incredible. It's my favorite Sabbath song. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not like a huge Sabbath aficionado, but of all the stuff I've listened to, you know, the early records and stuff, I, that's that song just rules. I think it'd be a great uh, cover for Noah for a few reasons. One, Ian, our drummer, would absolutely just play the ever living hell out of that song. That song is so right up his alley. Um, two, Noah's vocal would kill it, and that is a cool cover for the right Americana. Like if we were to go out on the road with Jason Isbell, War Pigs. Mm-hmm. Like you got to throw War right. Pigs in the set. You know, um, we were just opening up for a guy, named, a guy named Billy Currington who's more of like a pop country act. Not a War Pigs set. So it's, it's like <laughs> right. got to be the right you know, we, we played with Willie Nelson, opened for Willie Nelson a few weeks ago. Not a War Pigs set. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know, it's uh, one of those. You it's play one, Children of the Grave. Yeah, yeah to see how that goes over. I mean, we played Whipping Post, uh, and that crowd absolutely loved it. Um, but different vibe I, than War Pigs. It's a good cover to have in your back pocket that people don't expect from like a Southern Rock Americana band. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I. Uh, one of my favorite covers. Right before we get into our topic, that we my band ever used to play is we would play Ohio. Uh, yeah, Neil, Neil Young, whatever. Crosby, Stills, Nash, uh, Young. Also, yeah. one of the most iconic riffs ever. Yeah, uh, but I, we would play it in drop D, and we would transition into Machine Gun. Oh yeah, and it worked so. I mean, like obviously, <laughs> if you know what those songs are about, mm-hmm. uh, it works really well. But man, they they just flow right into each other, and oh man, and I love thematically, that. like you said, they line up. They're both Vietnam era protest songs. Yes. Yeah. I think we need to bring back the protest song, man. I think music today, and a lot of people have said this, and I completely agree. 
the thing that music today is missing is like popular music, I should say, top 40 stuff, mm. stuff that the masses are listening to. It, it doesn't, for the most part, it doesn't say anything. There's no message. People aren't protesting. Like we right. went through, and we're not going to get into politics here, but we went through just a total storm of an administration a few years ago, and there really wasn't anything that the popular musicians were saying. Whereas right. if you look back in the 1960s and the 70s, like that wasn't the case at all. Music was way better, I think. Well, because the audience didn't have any way to like retaliate against uh, an artist now. You can't get on Twitter and get something trending and try to cancel someone. Well, yeah. No, you and couldn't then. You can't now. Just well, there were ways to cancel people. But yeah, it just wasn't like... I don't know. Now we're going to get a flood of angry comments in here <laughs> because I brought this hey, up. But I just... I feel didn't say nothing. You know... I feel pretty strongly about it. It's like (sighs) our band is called good trouble for a reason. And there's a whole story behind it. Um, and we did get permission to use it. We didn't, we didn't just, um, we didn't just come up with it, but, uh, we got permission from John Lewis himself to use that, that name, which is pretty amazing. Um, anyways. All right. You want to jump into the topic here? Let's, let's go. You, you set it up. All right. So, um, Yesterday, for us, probably last week for y'all watching this, uh, my friend Rick Beato announced his signature double cut Les Paul special. Um, uh, finally. <laughs> finally, yeah. yeah. It's been going through, uh, I mean, that's been like almost a two-year process, I think, for them yeah. to get that guitar out. And um, yeah, it was a big deal. I mean, that, from what I... I talked to him yesterday. He said they sold out basically everywhere. I think the plan is they're doing two batches of 250. All the proceeds are going to charity. Um, I don't remember which charity he picked, but yeah, all the proceeds are going to charity. It's an absolute ripper of a guitar. Um, His original one, the yellow one that he plays in all of his videos, is, in my opinion, the best-sounding guitar in his studio still. Um, And we should point out that that guitar is because you had one right it's a 2005 or 2006 uh faded les paul special double cut i think it's earlier than that um i had a special i had just a single cut well what's interesting Uh, is that it's not a normal special it's thinner it's more like an sg body thickness right and it's a guitar center exclusive yeah it was something guitar center did back in the the oddies or whatever you call it the 2000s (laughs) 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 and uh he, yeah, he, his story is he bought it off the wall at the Druid Hills Guitar Center here in Atlanta. And um, it just, it's an absolute ringer. What's interesting about it is two wait, things. Wait, wait, Druid Hills? Yeah, we have a. That's a sick name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, it's a great part of town, North Druid Hills. Druid uh, Hills. Druid Hills. There's a lot of good names here in Atlanta. We have Beaver Ruin, Druid Hills. Um, Beaver Ruin is not as good as Druid Hills. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. I got food poisoning at a place on Beaver Ruin one time. Uh, well, that seemed, that lines up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Anyways, anyway. Um, what's cool about it, about his original and about this signature, are two things. One, it's thinner than a, norm, a normal special. And two, the finish is different. So this came up in prototyping when they started working on it. He was like, I want a Pelham Blue Les Paul double cut special like this one. And the first prototype they sent off was not that at all. It was it was a Les Paul special, but it was a standard thickness. So it was like, I don't know, an inch and whatever the inch and three quarters. I can't remember what the dimension I'll is. I'll measure it. Yeah. Um, 
So it's way thicker than the normal one, and it had a full finish on it. So it had filler coat, color coat, and then clear coat. Rick's guitar, the original one and the signature, are just the color coat. It's a super thin finish. Um, what is that? Are you pulling out calipers right now? I absolutely am pulling out <laughs> calipers right now. All right, Adam Savage. <laughs> Surprised you don't have the scale tattooed on your, your forearm there. That would be kind of cool. You know, actually, it's a practical tattoo. I was watching his lightsaber build last night. Um, what are we at? It's, well, oh, I forgot this. My caliper does fractions. Whoa. Oh, that's not, that went crazy number. Uh, it's like one and uh, 1.6 inches, so whatever, around about. Yep. So there you go in freedom units and. 23, 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, cool. Great. I don't know. It. Calipers are hard when you're Can trying to Can we just admit you know. we should just switch to metric? Yeah. That's yeah, a dumb yeah. measurement. What would you use? 23, 30 seconds? <laughs> yeah. Dude. I give I give the metric system a 10 out of 10. Yay. <laughs> Look out. Yeah. Look out. I just want to hold this guitar because it's so pretty. Yeah, like we've been building the studio and stuff, and, and we've been doing the framing. Like, you know, I've seen some comments down there. People think I'm, like, bullshitting and that I'm – I've just paid other people to do everything. Like, nope, we've, I've been down there swinging hammers and cutting lumber and all that stuff. And, um, it's so confusing, man. Like trying to yelling across a workspace and wait, what is it? Three, six teens, five, eight, wait, hold on. Uh, 23, 30 seconds. Like just call it millimeters. It's all based on 10. It's so much easier. Just so much easier. (sighs) What were we talking about? Uh, the thickness of his guitar, and then... Yeah, so it's closer to a Les Paul. Th- the original one was closer to a Les Paul thickness. The newer yeah. ones are way thinner, closer to an SG, so they're light, and the finish uh, is super thin. So it resonates, yeah. it rings super well. And the cool thing is, as if you bought one, and you play it over the years, you will actually wear it in yourself. Like Rick's yellow one, the finish on the back of the neck is completely gone. He's got yeah. arm wear you know, where you would see it. And, and that's all real. That's none of that is relic. And he hasn't been playing that guitar all that long compared to a fifties model or whatever. Um, right. Yeah. Cool. There's no clear coat, um, which yeah. I think that was the hard thing about the Pelham because Pelham blue, I like, I mean that it was never, it never had, there was never a Pelham blue guitar that didn't have a like clear coat over top of it. I yeah. think the way the color like you ha- kind of have to. Yeah. Well, and it was the, this is why you prototype stuff because the first blue that they sent was so not a Pelham blue. It was yeah. like Crayola marker blue, like just the most standard blue that you can think of. Right. You know, Pelham blue is kind of metallic and kind of lighter shade. It's well, really a little pretty green blue. in it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, anyways, the whole topic though is YouTubers and signature guitars. Should YouTubers be getting signature guitars? Um, I don't have a signature guitar. I don't have plans for a signature guitar. Uh, Yet. I'm not even sure that I'd necessarily want one, if I'm honest. Depends Um, on how much you're getting paid, right? It's all about (laughs) love that money. Love that money. Mm. Well, it's interesting because up until the past few years, a signature guitar, and it still is this way, but a signature guitar was a well-known player or a player of note maybe not well known in the general sphere like a david grissom you know david grissom is a well-known player among players but among the general public 
if you ask someone, do they know Slash or do they know Dave Grissom? Right. Obviously, people know Slash. But now we're starting to see more YouTubers get stuff like this. And uh, I don't know. How do we feel about it? Uh, who else? Okay, so Rick has one. Uh, the Fluff, does he have... He has a music man, right? Yeah. And then you've uh, got the the Rob Chapman slash uh, Rob Scallon. So apparently, if your name's Rob, you have permission to have your own line of guitars. Well, Rob Scallon, uh, I think he's back. He's He's gone to Schechter. I oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, because Chapman... I mean, because Rob started... Uh, you know, the Chapman thing with Lee. So like, you know, of course he's going to have his own signature guitar. Yeah. 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 The company, but, uh, I mean, Rabia has his signature Chapman. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm like Ola England has his own guitar line. Uh, solar, right. Is that solar? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and then help us out in the chat, whoever else has a signature thing. And it's kind of, it's kind of funny. I mean, like, I think that, it makes sense, like if if you have an audience and a, a company, if you, if you're already known for playing the guitars, like why not capitalize on the popu popularity? Um, well, there's two different sort of approaches here. There's there's sort of what Rick has done, which is he was known for playing that yellow double cut, and then Gibson approached him about doing a, a small run of signature guitars, and so it made sense. Like let's do this because you don't offer this. It was a somewhat limited run. It's not something that you can just go get off the shelf now. I think that's a really cool approach for a YouTuber signature. It's unique. You know, it's not necessarily over the top. It's got his signature on the um, truss rod cover, you know, yeah. but you could swap that out if you don't want Rick's name. It's just a really good guitar that he was known for playing and that they brought to market in his name, which I think is, is cool. The other side is the, you know, players, the YouTubers, and it seems to be the more popular thing, which is like, well, let's create our own line of guitars and then put those out as another income stream for your business, which I think is great. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Um, no, but it's just going to get harder and harder. to. That's do. a little bit different than like a true signature guitar though. You know what I mean? To me, yeah. the, the, the truest form of a signature guitar is a, a manufacturer coming to you and saying, hey, you play this thing or you're known for playing our guitars. Could we offer, like, what would be your dream guitar if you were to work with us? And then, well, you'll make a commission on it, a percentage on it. Um, or some artists, well-known, uh, will just commission the company to build the stuff and then buy it all outright from the company. And then you buy the guitar through the player, which I actually think is kind of a cool business move. Um, right. Well, it's, it's the same idea as buying all the tickets for a show and then selling the tickets direct, you know, and you run all that risk. Oh, uh, yeah. Greg Cock. Greg Cock has a signature reverend. The, yeah, um, but like, I wouldn't consider, I mean, Greg had become a YouTuber. Um, I'm going to see him in Atlanta I mean, tomorrow night, by the way. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but Greg, I mean, before that, he had had, he'd had a signature uh, like custom shop strat thing yeah. you could order. So like, I don't, it's funny. Cause like what, like someone said, Mateo Sassato, like, I mean, he's not really a YouTuber. Yeah. Like, you know, how do you draw the line? Like where it, like, where does someone's popular? I mean, I, I feel like YouTuber means kind of like you have a channel, you produce content for that channel. That's, you know, guitar centric, but you're not like, you know, a guitarist who has a YouTube channel, you know, like I wouldn't consider, um, Tim Henson from I mean, 
like he had he posts a lot on right, YouTube. Right. But I don't consider him a YouTuber. No, for sure. And same thing with Mateus. Like Mateus is well known as an influencer, but he's also been touring with pretty big name acts for quite a few years now, you know. Yeah. So I mean, look, I think it's interesting because this this brings up the discussion of general guitar influence and just number of people that are listening to and watching and hearing people play guitar now, you know, um, a channel like mine gets two to 3 million views a month. Now that doesn't mean there's two to 3 million people watching a month. That is, I think that number is closer to like one, one and a half million. Someone like Paul or Rick or Mary, bigger channels than mine get more. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of people watching us play and talk about and share guitar. And from my perspective, I'm making videos here in my room, but then I'm also going out on the road and playing small shows and things like that. So it's an interesting time uh, from a guitar perspective where we're kind of seeing not a shift from quote unquote, I don't know how to, to say it, but like the traditional guitar hero kind of mindset and the guitar YouTuber thing. I think they're two different things. Yeah. Um, but I think it makes sense for people with a large audience who play guitar for a lot of people, who teach a lot of people. It makes sense for them to have a signature guitar. What, weren't, weren't Gibson doing a Marty Schwartz 335? Like well, I they, they, I don't know if they were doing a signature one. They built him that red one. Yeah. I feel like it was, I don't know. Maybe they were going to, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, it's 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 curious because I feel like I feel like that this is like YouTube is the realm for the modern guitar hero, uh, in in the fact that you know these are the people that inspire you and make you want to play the instrument because gone are those except for John Mayer. I don't I mean like or Tosin. Yeah, or, but even but but Tosin's so niche compared to yeah. I mean you know, that that is that brings up this whole guitar hero conversation, which gets talked about quite yeah, a bit we've online. talked about but yeah i think you're right i mean if you just talk about sheer numbers like in 1975 how many people were hearing and listening to jimmy page and wanting to go play guitar millions tens of millions hundreds of millions realistically yeah. like you know i don't think any youtubers stack up to that level of influence but yeah. i mean if you go on tour, play an arena tour. Let's say you play 10 shows at an arena. And your typical arena is between, I don't know, 10,000 and 17,000 seats, right? So that's mm-hmm. 15,000 people a night, 150,000 people across a 10-show run. It's a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. Playing arenas and football stadiums. That's an average YouTube video for myself, Mary Spender, Rick Beato was below average for Rick, below average for Paul, right? below average for Rob Scallon, you know? So yeah, there is that interesting numbers argument of like, well, just sheer number of people that are watching people like us play and hopefully learning um, or being entertained or agitated or whatever, (laughs) (laughs) whatever your reaction is to to what Uh, we do, you know? (sighs) Yeah. There's a lot of people throwing up names in the chat 
that are like, you know, they, they might know them. Like Phil X has had some signature stuff. But I would not consider Phil X a YouTuber. He got, he got recognized on YouTube. Oh, that's an interesting point. But, I mean, he plays with Bon Jovi. You know? Well, he got the Bon Jovi gig through that Fred at Americana thing. My right. dad and I used to watch Phil X like all the time together. Yeah. Because my dad's not a guitar player. But guitar is like one of the things that we bonded over when I was younger. I was never into sports or was never into things he was he was into. I was never into the things he was into. Wait, he whatever, flip that. Um, but guitar and music is the thing that we really bonded over. And so my dad and I used to do things like go to Guitar Center together and right. spend a Saturday where I would just play stuff. And my dad has amazing ears. He actually would make an incredible mix engineer. Um, but he, we would just sit and we'd talk about guitars and talk about tone. And he would sit there and hand me, we would do this with acoustics. We'd grab three different acoustics as the same model off the wall. And he'd, I'd play one. He's like, okay, play this one. And then play the third one. And then he and I would sit and talk about, well, this one, this one has more like bottom end. This has more top end. This was the best sounding of the three. And we would just do that all day. So when Phil X... Wait, 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 wait. But how, how, how could that be if wood doesn't matter? <laughs> Oh yeah, well, obviously that's before we knew. Oh, that's before uh, people in the comments told me that wood doesn't matter. That's that's it. Yeah, this before we were enlightened, right? By the comment section. Oh, and the gear page. Um, yeah, back in the uh, <laughs> back in the oh, the the before times before the enlightenment. Um, I yeah, we used to do that stuff. So when when Phil X came on. We, he and I would sit and watch, and that was a huge influence on me early on. Tim Pierce, like when Tim first started making YouTube videos, was seven, eight years ago, nine years ago, however long it's been. Mm-hmm. I started watching him so early on when he had less than ten thousand subscribers, and it was this amazing thing for me, starting out as a working guitar player, trying to do session work, trying to tour. Here's this guy who's had one of the most illustrious recording careers of any guitar player to ever live. And here he is just on YouTube talking about it and sharing it. Like, that's a guitar hero for me. Tim Pierce is a guitar hero for me. And part of that is because of his YouTube channel. Yeah, and and, uh, we, we failed to mention Pete Thorne. Pete Thorne is another one. Exactly. Yeah. And he's got a signature guitar. He's got the Sir. He he does. I mean, it does Tim doesn't. I don't think Tim has any, he has PRSs that Paul has, has built for him, but he, I don't think he has any signature, any signature stuff. Um, But but it's like, it's funny, like Paul or uh, uh, Tim plays so many things that it might be hard. Cause like, that's the thing. It's like, you know, there's more like to get a signature guitar, um, it's more than just like, hey, I like this. Will you make it for me? There mm-hmm. has to be some other agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise, why is it advantageous for a, a brand to, to invest the time, energy, and money to do this? Yeah, keep in mind here, signature guitars are business deals. It's, oh, yeah. It's a business deal. It's a way for an artist or a well-known guitar player to make money. Um, or in, in Rick's case, support a charity. You know. Yes. Um, and it's a way for guitar manufacturers to sell more guitars, right? They're trying to appeal to your audience. They want to win over your audience and use your popularity with your audience to sell guitars. That's what this is, right? Yeah. 
people like Pete Thorne, it makes a lot of sense for because like Tim, Pete is one of those players that's had an illustrious career as a, as a touring guy and a session guy. I mean, he was in Chris Cornell's band for Christ's sake. I mean, come on, it doesn't right. get much cooler than that. Um, and he was known for playing Sir guitars and so, and Sir amps. So that's, that's a perfect example, like right down the money of a, of a signature guitar and his idea for a signature guitar, signature Sir, and his idea for the signature amp are somewhat unique. They're cool. There's something that fit his needs and appeal to a large portion of his audience. Yeah. Well, I think the last thing to say is if you were going to have a signature guitar, Red Shawl, <laughs> what would it be? Would you, like, like if, if, if tomorrow you, someone's either you had to make a decision, do I design something new or do I have my name put on something that already exists specked out to my taste? Like, what would you choose? Um, I'm going to ask you the same question. Okay. Well, mine's easy. Okay. Well, what is yours? I would like, if I, I would probably try to get Novo to make the TCS yeah. and make it a, the, the, the mythos model or something. Right. And just be, you know, like you have three finish options and that's it. Yeah. And th- th- I think that would, I mean, I know it wouldn't sell, but I think it would be sick. <laughs> I don't know, man. I this is playing into my fear of commitment. I think a little bit, mm, <laughs> like, oh no. But I think the logical choice is the Novos, my Novo Ceres J, the yeah. pink sparkle with the gold guard. That's I think what I'm most known for playing. It's what I've played the most. Um, it's my favorite guitar, and it's the guitar that means the most to me. My reservation with releasing that as a signature guitar is the price like yeah when i bought that i've talked about this before but it took everything i had to put that guitar purchase together and it was not a responsible purchase i'll just be honest with you like it (laughs) wasn't smart now in the long run it was the right decision i'm so glad i bought that guitar right sure um but i just feel weird about attaching my name to something that is so expensive because that particular guitar has all the bells and whistles it's the special paint the heavy relic the bound guard the block inlays the fancy pickups like and righteous specced that guitar i didn't order that it was what ben right. at righteous put together and i found um and so if i was going to do some kind of signature i'd want it to be accessible for people i'd want you know not to do a super super budget thing but something that's more approachable than four thousand dollars which is what i paid for that right, six yeah. years ago five years ago um, I don't know, man. I don't know. If someone approached I, me about a signature guitar today, on at, at this point, honestly, I'd probably say no right now. Yeah. Just because I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like, what, you know, I mean, th- and this is, this is the thing that I, I remember doing when I was um, in middle school and high school. I just like drew, I drew Stratocasters and like made my dream strat. Cause like I thought I was just going to play strats forever. And I dreamt of having like the Zach Broyles signature strat. Mm-hmm. And it was a mini hum neck strat bridge pickup and three way switch. And like, it was basically the Novo SV. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but 
which might be the other way around. I can't remember. But anyway, I, uh, I wanted that. And like back then, if for what, I mean, it would have never happened, but if it had, I would have been all over it today. It would be a little different because I mean, there is that consideration, like you're cutting off a huge portion of the market, but it's a signature guitar. It's what you want. And I don't know, like there's definitely some signatures out there. This could be saved for another thing like that are seem to be more of a cash grab or not a cash grab, but it's like, you know, do you really play this? Yeah. And that's what I don't like, because I thought about the two is I could do something, you know, uh, a little bit different, but then that brings up the question of like, well, he doesn't really play that very much. And so why, what's really the motivation behind doing a signature? Uh, chat's asking about a signature amp, and I am doing a signature amp. Yeah, uh, but it's amps oddly easier. Than yeah, it's way easier. <laughs> um, the amp thing came about because Daniel at Port City last year approached me and was like, "Hey, man, if you ever wanted to d- to design an amp together, we should do it." And I thought, "Oh, that would be cool." And I happened to be in Germany recording that record at the time, and I was using a really cool vintage amp that you can't really get right now. Nobody really makes this version of this thing. And I was like, well, actually, this could be cool because this is somewhat unique. This is something that not a lot of people have access to, and it's pretty simple, so it's not that astronomically expensive or hard to build. They can be hand-wired. They can be really, really well-made, built in the USA. And, um, yeah, so we are going to be releasing that with Port City here in a little bit. And I think the first run, we're only going to do 10 amps as the plan. Ever? Maybe not ever. But the plan right now is just for 10. And um, we're going to see how it goes. You know, because okay. I'm out of focus here. Um, you know, I also don't want to do the thing where it's like, oh, yeah, I put out my signature app. It's so sick. Check it out. And then nobody's really interested in it, you know? <laughs> right. So, I That's think the there's, goes. there's an, at least 10 people out there that'll be stoked on what this amp is. I'm really excited about it. But that's the thing is, most people are known for playing lots of different amps. And so it is easier when doing a signature amp because you're essentially not saying, oh, this is the one amp that I will use forever and ever because it's my signature amp. It's like, no, this is something I thought was cool. I really enjoy playing it. It fits my style, fits my sound, and you can't really get it anywhere else right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, cool. <sighs> there we go. That was a bit of a long one. Do you want to you want to do our, our shill? Yeah, do you have yours ready to go? I got it right here on my table. All right, why don't you go first? Okay, so this was sent to me by my good friend, Mr. Chris Evans, not Captain America. <laughs> we always have um, to stipulate. Huh? We always have to well, stipulate. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, it's not a name you just walk around saying, hey, I know this guy named Chris Evans, and people are like, oh, I know Chris Evans. <laughs> uh, but this is one of his pedals. Uh, oh yeah, it's called the Monkey Wrench. Uh, not a reference to the Foo Fighters. No, but uh, his brand is OCE uh, Original Chris Evans Pedals. OCEPedals.com. But this is his take on a a a, a, a rodent inspired distortion, and I pitted it up against my Vintage Rat Two, and it does sound better, <laughs> which is that's good. That's you know that's the litmus test. Can it can it keep up with a Vintage Rat? Um, and it's great, but Chris makes some really good stuff. He does this thing called hardware series. So this is actually, um, a keychain, and that you can actually open. Oh, sick. The monkey wrench, but it's just a little keychain that he bolts onto the face of the pedals. And he's got the, like the, the monkey wrench, this, the wrench, the pliers. 
and he's doing all these these it's, all these pedals like are inspired by certain things and and that this is the first one those are great so check them out nice OCE pedals so I also have a pedal this one uh, got sent to me this week have you seen this before the Kernom Ridge I I have uh, but I can't remember I've seen it but I don't remember what it does okay this is an overdrive analog overdrive that has kind of a unique take as far as I've seen. Um, so you've got volume, drive, pre, pre-tone, post-tone, mids. Okay. okay, it's pretty pretty straight ahead at this point, right? It's pretty bright. You got a preset, preset switch down here, right? So what's cool about this, though, is this knob right here, the mood knob. So this changes the waveform, the clipping style, um, mm. on a knob. So you can go from basically no clipping to symmetrical soft clipping, asymmetrical soft clipping, asymmetrical hard clipping, and then full like square wave hard clipping all the way on is this it side. A, is it a switch or is it a, it's a, a pot? It's a pot, but it is switching. Like as you, I was, oh, I play it's got detents. Yeah, no, it's, it doesn't have detents, but I've noticed that when I was playing it today, you know, there is a range here, and then as soon as you cross over one of these lines, it changes. It ch it's okay. switching. So I think it's controlling a relay or something. I don't know what's it's, happening it's, in here. That's, that's called a microcontroller. Ooh. So I think it's digitally, it's an analog pedal that's digitally controlled. Has MIDI functionality as well, uh, which is super cool. And then I was reading up on their website, the output, it's up to 30, hold on. How oh, they, 30 volts of output yeah, voltage? Yeah, 30 put volts of output voltage when the, the volume knob is all the way up, which Jeez. will absolutely crush the front end of your amp in a really nice. cool way. Um, yeah, I, I was playing it this morning, and I have to say, this thing really slaps. It's, mm. it's cool. It's got an expression pedal input as well. And it's just a cool case. It doesn't look like any normal... It feels like it's CNC'd, like a billet cnc case yeah, it's probably milled out of a, a big block of aluminum yeah it's a really solid a lot of gravity in this pedal um mm. but this is this is cool this will so i'm starting to work on a new um sort of live board gigging board setup and i think this one's going to make the cut on the board because it it really covers a lot of ground um, man I, I just pulled up their website and the size of components the, the SMT components inside that thing. Just and there's one little photo on the bottom of it. Yeah, let me see. Um, I've got to pull up here. I'll, I'll, let me uh, let me see if I can. Uh, I'll uh, I'll screen grab it here, and drop it into the chat, because it is <laughs> wacky. Uh, I don't see it on here. There you go. It's down at the bottom of the page. Oh yeah. Okay. But I did see that. Like. So those in the chat can see, and we'll we'll send this to Addison to drop it into the video. The those little like on the uh, the right side of the image is a big box with all the teeny 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 little pins. That's probably the brain. That's probably okay. the microcontroller that's controlling everything. Right. Uh, and all those little boxes to the left and the bottom right, those are the, on the left are resistors, and the bottom ones look like capacitors. Mm. And they're so stinking small, <laughs> which is crazy. I mean, but like. You know, when you think about it, like imagine how like your phone works with 
transistors and resistors yeah. and capet. Imagine how small they are. Yeah, I mean, they've got to be just microscopic. But uh, it just goes to show that SMT is all about it, the sound of a pedal is the design and all this other stuff. Actually, now that work. you showed me that, I take back everything I said. It sounds like shit. Because <laughs> uh, I didn't realize it was uh, surface mount. So You know what's um, funny, though? Like, I'm going to unshill this pedal. We, uh, uh, McKinley got one of the, the Jesse Davey King Tone fuzzes, the geranium fuzz thing, yep. the mini fuzz. And I was like, what's going on in here? And we took the back off and there's just like the tiny, it's like, it's so funny that people lose their minds over that fuzz because it, it sounds amazing. Like I'm not trying to detract from it. It is an incredible sounding fuzz pedal. And if you haven't played one, it's, it's worth checking out, but the components in it are teeny weeny little <laughs> computer parts and I mean, that's, I mean, I'll, my stuff uses surface mount, but I had never even thought to go smaller because for me, when my prototype, I, I do it by hand sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I'll hand solder those things and something that's that small. I mean, like you can't, can't even hold you it. You breathe on it and it's gone. <laughs> you know, it literally flies away. Oh, uh, so, just like your tone when using right. those pedals. No, 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 no. It doesn't doesn't matter we Guess do what? what's well, funny is we we both know people that think that way and it's we, just a we shame had so, we had so much other stuff we could have talked about we didn't talk about we didn't talk about the the duke of tone oh we we'll get to the duke of tone look the full tone we didn't oh talk god about yeah the full tone about thing your video where you just say that that these guitars are not gonna be worth these vintage guitars are gonna be worth <laughs> nothing there's firewood essentially dude so very soon yeah that's exactly what i said zach <laughs> i said all vintage guitars are going to be worthless when all the boomers are gone see i skimmed your video we yeah yeah shop. i heard yeah, what you were yeah, saying yeah. dude that video ruffled some feathers we uh we talked offline about that but i i got i got some interesting feedback from some <laughs> we'll just say Great. some well-known people got pretty upset uh Happens. with that video but i'm i don't care i mean it's a discussion um and I, I was advocating on their side. I was saying, no, you totally were. You, there was, I feel like Rick was the only one who was, these are not going to be worth as much, but everyone else. Was yeah. Like, no, Rick is the only one that was like, no, they're going to be worthless. Nobody cares. Young people don't care about guitar. And it's like, come on, man, give me a break. <sighs> and anyway. then anyways, all right, well, that's going to do it. Like I said, um, maybe some new stuff on the horizon for the show. Some, ex some exciting new things. Might be a whole new world coming up for Dipped in Tone. Yep. For old Uncle uh, Zach and Rhett. So. <laughs> and the dip <laughs> The dip <laughs> I think that it might be it. It can't be that. It just can't <laughs> be. Like, I'm sorry. It's a great name, but we can't call. <laughs> well, did you see? Did you see it was Dip Shiz with the SH1Z? Like, I saw that. Maybe that's a good that. compromise. I saw the dipsticks, which I... It's, it feels too like vacation Bible school for me. <laughs> oh, the dipsticks. We're the dipsticks. It's like your, 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 up, dipsticks. your youth group a... uh, dodgeball team or something. It's That's too... Oh, no. It's dips or nothing, man. We'll, fi we'll figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> People, I'm a proud dip. See? Oh, man. They're embracing it. Addison's going to have his work cut out on this I know. One. Sorry, bud. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. See you guys.